Well, good morning, River City. I am Andrea, and I am beyond excited um, to get to share this message with you guys this morning. Um, so as I'm preparing you know, this week and trying to put the finishing touches on uh, talking about joy this morning, I, it occurred to me that I was scheduled to run in the color run. Do y'all know what that is? You might know what the color run is. So I'm looking at the video, the lead-in that you guys uh, just got to see, and I'm like, oh my goodness, it looks like the color run. So I'm thinking that this is, you know, divine providence that God has just totally set me up, and there's uh, uh, some really neat correlations. So if you don't know what the color run is, let me, let me tell you, um, it is classified as the happiest 5K on earth. Now for some of you, the idea of running a 5K in no way, shape, or form could ever make you happy. Uh, but this race claims that they are the happiest race um, on earth. And I thought, oh my goodness, God, you are so um, sovereign. You knew that we were talking about joy this morning. And I get to talk about the color run and, and all things happy. Um, so I had a couple of pictures. Y'all want to see some pictures? Y'all want to see me uh, give, giving it my all? And uh, uh, so here we are. This is our crew that was running. And um, you, you go and you, you're all white um, and nice and fresh and clean. And you, you, check, you can look at the next one. They say it's the happiest uh, 5K. So we're at the starting line, ready to go. You can go ahead to the next one. And as you're running along, um, you have different checkpoints. And guess what they do to you? They throw cornstarch on you. Isn't that great? I paid money to have this done to me, y'all. Um, so <laughs> they throw cornstarch. You can go to the next one. And as you're running, um, again, in all the, the uh, excitement and an attempt to be the happiest race on earth, um, they have this one-stop point where you get uh, to take a post-it note and you write things that you are happy about. This is the happy wall. Isn't that neat? Amen. Pretty cool, right? So we're, you know, we, we take our little um, happy note. You can see that my t-shirt is no longer um, crisp and clean. Uh, they've been throwing cornstarch on me. But I, again, I, y'all just cannot even know how tickled I was as I'm going through this race. And I'm thinking about y'all while I'm running. Can you believe that? I'm thinking, Jesus, I get to share with these incredible people tomorrow all um, uh, uh, what the things that make people happy and things that people get excited about. You can go to the next one. So here I am. I'm like loving it. Like, hey, guys, we're going to talk about joy. And then the next one. You can tell, again, we're just like losing our minds over this. Okay, and then I have one more to show y'all. Check this video out. This is, this is like, I was having fun with my phone. Y'all know it's got like the slow-mo. Way cool. Oh, yeah, there it is. This is glitter. They changed it up this year. They added some sparkle as if the hot pink and neon yellow and green wasn't enough. Now they, they glitter you up, and it's a good time. Um, so we, we were having a blast, and um, I just thought that that was so, so timely and so cool that we were doing the color run and um, thinking about things that make us happy and things that, that get us excited. And you may not know this, but my middle name is Joy. Isn't that neat? So Andrea Joy Isaacs, um, this, if I was going to write a book, like Joy would be maybe one of the things that I would consider writing about because I feel like um, I, my parents from early on kind of stamped that over my life and by naming me Andrea Joy. And um, then I married this awesome guy named Jason Isaacs. And you may not know this, but Isaac means joy and laughter. So I feel like <laughs> if you want to look at it the right way, 
I got a double portion of joy. <laughs> so this is, this is where I'm at. This is, this is exciting for me. And, and, and I would definitely kind of classify myself as maybe in the um, excited, happy, you know, bubbly personality um, type of category. Um, there's kind of no denying that. But here's what's crazy. Happy people, there's two problems. First of all, a lot of times people think you're fake, right? You ever met a happy person and you're like, get it together. Nobody's really that happy. Know what I mean? <laughs> so people think you're fake um, or they question or they think that maybe you're, um, you know, pretending or that you're um, kind of silly or naive, you know, so you got to kind of kind of deal with, with that. And then the second thing is, you know, happy people, t- people who just kind of tend to be um, happy, they're, it's like they're not allowed to be sad, right? Like, you, it, well, my goodness, if something is going on with, with her, like the whole world must be falling apart, right? Because uh, they're, per- they're a happy person. Um, so this is kind of um, interesting for me. And as, as, again, as I was thinking about joy and, and what I believe God's word says about joy and, and how we should live as, as believers, um, and I also am very aware and very conscientious that for some of you, a bubbly, blonde, you know, kind of cheerleader type up here talking about joy and talking about happiness might, as you leave today, um, have the exact opposite effect. It might not make you more joyful or happy to hear someone talk about that. It might actually have the reverse effect. It might actually make you frustrated or, or question um, things in your own life more or, or, or make you um, highlight the areas, uh, kind of emotional areas of your life um, in, in a negative way. Um, we all kind of know the platitudes of, you know, think happy thoughts and the joy of the Lord is your strength, right? That's not what my goal is today. My goal is to have an honest conversation with you and, and share some scripture and maybe share some insight um, with you this morning and, and the hope and the belief that it can be life-changing and that you can leave inspired and encouraged um, through the power of the Holy Spirit. We're talking about the fruit of the Spirit over these nine weeks of summer, and Pastor Corey um, started us off uh, with goodness last week, and um, the fruit of the Spirit is one of those things that I learned as a little kid, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, um, but one of the most interesting things that I have found about the fruit of the Spirit, and this may be beneficial for some of you, is that it's, it's one thing, the fruit of the Spirit. And it can be easier, tempting to think about, especially since we're teaching them um, kind of as topical categories, um, like, oh, yeah, I'll take a little patience and I'll take a little love, but like that kindness thing, you know, I'm not really like on board with that. It doesn't work that way. The fruit of the Spirit, it doesn't have an S on the end of fruit. Y'all feel me, English teacher up in the house, got to break it down for you. Okay, it's the fruit of the Spirit. So what that means is when you say, yes, I'm a believer and you invite the Holy Spirit to lead your life and guide your life, and you want to manifest and display those attributes, you don't get to pick and choose. It's all or nothing. And I want so much for God to demonstrate those attributes, those elements throughout your life, all of those. So think about that as we're talking the next couple of weeks, that you would, you would begin to recognize um, each of those in, in your life. Okay, so I've been praying for you this week, been praying that, that it would touch um, on some type of um, scenario or heartstring or that God would kind of reveal himself 
um, to you. And I think that for, for us, um, again, as I said, it can be kind of misleading to think that, oh, Andrea, yeah, she's got a smile. She's, she's happy. She's got it going on. And I am a very, very blessed woman. I have an amazing husband. We pastor an incredible, life-giving, thriving church. We consider you guys family. We have three gorgeous children. I have a job that I love, right? So what, what could possibly, I have every reason on earth to be happy. But have any of you ever been around somebody who, like, even though they had all those things, they were still struggling? Y'all know what I'm talking about? I've been on vacation to Hawaii with people who were still unhappy. Like, how's that even possible, y'all? How are you going to be in paradise and like not be smiling? But it can happen, right? And here's the other reality. Here's the other kind of the truth of, of what life um, looks like. All of the things that I just said are very true. I do love my job. I do have an awesome husband and a great family. But remember how I said happy people aren't allowed to be sad, right? That's kind of the misconception. There are other parts to my story too, things that you may not know. We're, we try to pastor and lead um, transparently, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we share every part of our lives and everything that we go through. But parts of my story that you may or may not know is that I have a first cousin whose fiance overdosed on heroin and three weeks later, she took her own life. I have students who have sat in my classroom under my instruction and students that I felt like I was responsible for take their own lives. I shared a room with a coworker. We were incredibly close and he died in a car wreck on the way to work, leaving two small children behind. I've had personally two miscarriages, lived in a house that was robbed four times, have had a very, very close family member who is in rehab, struggling with an eating disorder and continues to struggle with anxiety and depression. Have a mother-in-law who passed away at age 48, losing a battle to cancer. I don't have a perfect, charmed life. And I think for some of us, it can be challenging to empathize with people who, especially if there are emotional, uh, chemical imbalances, mental disorders, things that we just cannot seem to shake off. And so when you hear somebody talking about happiness and talking about joy, it's so easy or tempting to say, yeah, 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 that's, that's all fine and good. But you have no idea. I want to be happy, trust me. I'm fighting every single day with every bit of energy that I have to scrape together some type of happiness. Trust me. I know that I'm blessed and I know that God is faithful, but I still have some stuff going on. Trust me. Right? And so my goal and my hope and my prayer for you today is that we can have a little bit of freedom and encouragement this morning. We may not leave here walking out all smiles and, and every problem solved, and that's not the point. But I think the first step is this, all right? So if you've got some notes, you've got your Bible, I would love for you to, to capture some of this. I'm really a big fan of like my notes on my iPhone so that I can go back and look at them later. But the first thing that I think that we've got to, to take a look at is that happiness 
which is, uh, tends to be the synonym, the word that we connect most often with joy, right? Um, some of the other fruit of the Spirit may not be, like Pastor Corey had to talk about goodness last week. I, my props to him, uh, hats off to him. That's challenging. That's kind of a little bit more abstract. At least with joy, we kind of think that we can see it, right? Like, oh, yeah, that person has joy, um, it, it seems to, to be a little bit more tangible. Um, but I would say, do you guys agree that happiness is maybe like the closest word association? Would you kind of, do you think that way when I say joy? Okay, awesome. So um, the challenge with that is that in American culture, which all of us are a part of, there's no really kind of separating yourself from that. In American culture, happiness, we hold that up on a high pedestal. And I would say, I would argue that it comes from the fact that our founding beliefs say you have the right to pursue happiness. Sound familiar, right? You have the right to pursue happiness. Now here's the problem with that. That is a very self-centered philosophy. Y'all tracking with me? Okay, that becomes the justification for some bad decisions. Okay, I live with teenagers all day, every day when I'm working, when I'm teaching them, right? They will tell you without a doubt the most important thing that they can do is be happy, right? And you hear all these cliches, you do you, I'm going to do me, YOLO, come on, you know, right? It's a little bit, first of all, self-centered, and second of all, just dangerous in my opinion, okay? Because what if my happiness uh, is destructive to someone else? right? It's, it's going to make me happy to be a millionaire, so I'm going to go rob a bank, right? Not a good idea, all right? So I think you can kind of track with that. So the first step, in my opinion, is understanding that happiness is um, elusive, and it can uh, be very slippery, very dangerous, a, a trap that, that you can fall into, and happiness is totally based on happenings, okay? So if I gave you a scenario of, of happiness, um, maybe like you got a promotion. I think that would make me happy. Would that make y'all happy? Like, oh, I'm going to make some more money. Okay. Um, or simple things like, my kids didn't fight today. Yes. Hashtag winning, right? Uh, this is a good thing. And then, uh, oh, here's, this is how I'm feeling right now. I get real happy when I get to lay by the pool, y'all. You know what I mean? I know. I'm shallow. Um, get to lay out by the pool, or I lost 30 pounds, or somebody gave me a compliment, or I found $20, or I got to eat a whole box of Krispy Kreme donuts. Yes, this is happiness in my world. Um, <laughs> it's the little things, y'all. It's the little things. Okay, happiness, all of those examples, and I, I would bet that this is true for you as well. Happiness is temporary, and it's fleeting, and it's slippery, and it's completely circumstantial most of the time. But joy, y'all know where joy comes from? The Lord. It's sustainable. It's eternal. It's ongoing. And here is something so crazy, so crazy. Happiness and joy, joy can be defined in the worst circumstances, whereas happiness seems to only be found in those positive kind of like perf what we might cl classify as like perfect or good scenarios, okay? So I, I know that this, this is challenging or, or interesting, but the reality is that counter to what we may believe, whenever the Bible talks about joy, it is almost always juxtaposed or paired with, kind of parallel to laying up against trials, Okay, happiness, I got a raise, I found some money, I lost some weight, 
Uh, somebody asked me out on a date, I got proposed to, I got pregnant. All of those things are good. Nothing wrong with any of those things that would make you happy. Circumstantial. Joy, it's partnered with, it's coupled with trials. Okay? James 1, verses 2 and 3 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials or of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And that, that next verse goes on to talk about how per- perseverance is something that we want in our lives so that we will not be lacking anything, right? God does want to bless you. He does want you to have a, an incredible life, okay? But our version of what we misconstrue as being incredible doesn't always line up with what God has for us and what his word says we're called to, amen? Amen? So when you think about Um, things like losing your job, probably not a really happy scenario, but there can be joy found in that. You have a miscarriage. Where's the joy in that? God, don't you want to bless me with a child? I would be a great parent. There can be joy in that moment. I remember experiencing this with Jason through our first miscarriage. And as you become educated and and you're learning more about why those kinds of things happen from a scientific, from a medical standpoint, you start to realize that your body is designed, get this, to terminate a fetus where the chromosomes, the DNA, have not aligned the right way. Y'all, that is powerful. That is miraculous in and of itself. You wanna know how you find joy in a miscarriage? You say, oh my goodness, God, you do know best. You do know what I need. And while it hurts and while it's challenging and and it's heart-wrenching and and it's not the vision that I have for my life right now, God, you do know what's best. And I'm gonna take this trial and I'm gonna walk through it with your grace because I know your word says, joy comes in the morning. Joy comes in the morning, right? Job, what a great story, right? All of us are looking to kind of figure out how he managed that one right? Job verse, uh, chapter 6 verse 10 says, then I would still have this consolation, all right? So all this mess has happened. All this craziness has gone on in his life. He says, here's the thing. Here's the peace that I have to hold on to. Y'all know what a consolation is. Like you have a consolation prize uh, if you just finished the race or if you um, are a part of the event, right? You didn't win anything, but here, here's your going away present kind of deal. He says, this is my, this is my, my one thing joy in my unrelenting pain that I had not denied the words of the Holy One. I don't know if I'm there yet, but I'm striving for that. Amen? Amen? That's where I want to be. Job has faced all manner of trial and tragedy. I would say that nothing about his situation is making him very happy. And you find a man who is physically hurting, emotionally hurting, mentally suffering. And he says, I got to honor the words of the Holy One. And there's joy in that. There's joy in that kind of moment. So if you're wondering and you've been racking your brain, how do I get past this? How do I find real sustainable joy, right? You hear people say things like, the joy of the Lord is my strength and you don't really understand what that means or you haven't walked that out, you haven't experienced that for yourself, you've gotta kinda change what you're pursuing. 
right? If you're equating happiness with joy, you're probably going to come up short. But if we can start to transition our goals and our, our uh, things that we're striving for, right, to be the things, the words of the Holy One, what does God desire for my life? What is God concerning himself with? Me getting a bigger house? Me making more money? Right? All of those things that are temperamental, that, that feel like they'll satisfy, if we can just get there. God's word shows me that he's concerned with people. Amen? God's word shows me that he is concerned with, with us not growing our estate, not growing our reputation, not growing our bank account, but growing his kingdom, right? Finding a way to share and, and love on other people and witness to people. There should be a sense of supernatural elation, joy, rejoicing when we share the name of Jesus Christ. And that is hard until you experience it. And then once you experience it, oh my goodness, there's no going back. That moment when you lead someone to Jesus Christ, you talk about joy. You talk about nothing being able to knock you down. Huge, huge, huge. Proverbs 8, 32 says, And so my children, listen to me, for all who follow my ways are joyful. You want to be joyful? You want to know how to sustain and make it through those trials and when all manner of hell is breaking loose, you got to be obedient. God, what are you calling me to? What are you asking of me? What do I need to lay down, sacrifice, move forward in, say yes to? That's where you find joy. That's what Proverbs says, right? It says obedience and following his commandments. That's how you will have joy. It works the opposite way as well. You ever been around somebody who was totally disobedient? They knew what God was asking of them. I got a couple of people come to mind, like Jonah, right? Run in the opposite direction. Don't want to have nothing to do with what God's calling them to. Everything else could be right in your life and you will be a hot mess. You could have everything else working the way that you think it should be. But if you are over here disobeying God, walking away from what he's asked you to do, you are going to struggle on the inside of you and nothing will make it right. Nothing will fix that. Nothing will get you to a place where you can lay down your head at night and, and find not only joy, but I'm excited when, when we get to talk about peace. I, this is an Andrea theory. This, I can't like validate this, y'all. But okay, so the fruit of the Spirit, it starts with, y'all know it in order, love, joy, peace, patience. My own theory is that that's like in order of importance. So I got to start with love and then I got joy. And if I got joy, I'm going to have some peace. I lay, lay down at night. Okay, that's just me. Again, Andrea, Andrea theory right there. But I believe that John 15, 12 is so true. It says, this is my commandment, that you love one another and your joy will be full. You gotta honor God's word. You gotta obey him. You gotta get yourself interested in the things that God is interested in. You gotta love people. And listen, here's the deal. I think we like misunderstand what this is saying or we think it's simpler than it is. You're like, of course I love people. I'm a total people person. Like, people love me, right? 
I love people. Okay, I hear people kind of talk. Maybe I'm just hanging out with too many teenagers, okay? I need to, I need to get around some, some, some adult people. Or little, I'm with little people and I'm with teenagers. This is not good. Um, it's not that kind of love. It's a kind of love that says I'm willing to be inconvenienced for you. It's a kind of love that says I'm willing to do whatever it takes because your soul is on the line. It's a kind of love that says you're more important than me. That is so counter-American culture, guys, that it's hard to recognize the difference. Like, it's, it's hard to kind of come around to the other side of it, right? Because we are told and kind of brought up and made to believe just by being Americans that we have this right to our own happiness, and I will climb on top of you and knock you down and do whatever it takes so that I can be number one. And I see it every day. I see it in my own kids, my, my biological children, and I see it in my students. Guys, it takes a lot of work to counteract culture. It takes a lot of work to kind of come underneath and dig out what we believe is our inalienable rights, right? You gotta love people, and that means thinking of them as more important than yourselves, willing to be inconvenienced, and, and loving them to a degree that they're willing to look at Jesus inside of you, right? Here it is. Here's the ultimate our joy is found in living life for others, not ourselves. That's what we've said. And let me give you the perfect example. Hebrews 12 says this, starting with verse 1. If you've got a Bible, find it, highlight it, mark it. It will mess with you. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that entangles, okay? Being self-obsessed, that's sinful, okay? Lying to get ahead or, or knocking people down so that you can, can, can come out on top. That stuff is sinful, okay? You got to throw that stuff off, whatever it is in, that's entangling you, and run. Y'all, the color run, it just keeps coming back around. Okay, let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Okay, so that's the first step. There it is. You got to fix your eyes on Jesus, get your focus right. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. I know that what you're going through is tough. I know that you've tried. I know that you're heartbroken. I know that it seems impossible. But for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Is what you're going through worse than the cross? Is it worse than being betrayed by your friends and sold out? For money, stabbed in the back, beaten, bruised, and left. And he did it for the joy set before him. What does that mean? You know what made him joyful? You. You. Your salvation, your communion with God, your ability to get right with God and experience his presence without anything hindering you. That's what was on his mind. That's what made him joyful. The joy set before him. Honoring his father, doing what his dad called him to do, told him to do, asked him to do. He endured the cross. He endured the cross, scorning its shame. 
He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him, okay? Think about Jesus who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Those days when it's hard to get out of bed, those days when it seems like everybody else's life is perfect but yours and you can't find a glimmer of happiness, of anything to be joyful about. The Bible tells us, think about him who was abandoned, who was scorned. Don't grow weary. Keep pressing on. Any of y'all ever run a real marathon, like, you know, a mini, a 10 mile, uh, something? Okay, you, got, you get to that threshold and you're like, I can't do it anymore. And you gotta press on. You got that leg cramp working, right? You think you're done. You're ready to lay down on the ground and call it quits. No, absolutely not. You gotta work through that. And you cross that finish line and you're like, yes, I did it. Come on. But you know what helps? Those people on the sidelines. Come on. You got this. Let's go. Don't give up. Keep going. You got it. One more. Dig it out. Don't throw in the towel. Right? And you've got all kinds of people standing behind you, championing you on. You've got a church family. You've got a Bible full of heroes who are championing you on, telling you to keep going, persevere, don't give up. You got this, right? And you run, a, you run I, my, I did my little 5K yesterday, y'all. It was awesome. But then you think, I could do a 10K. Mm-hmm, I could do it. I got this. You go to that 10K, you do a half mini, right? Then next thing you know, you're running a marathon. It's little accomplishments, little wins along the way that build your perseverance, right? You say, I know we got through it before God was faithful. He makes me strong. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. So here's the deal. You want to be a happy? You got to live outside culture and be different. I'm going to tell you right now, happy people, joyful, truly joyful people, they stand out in a crowd. People are drawn to that. And that's how I want you to, to end today and think about today. I want joy to be so abundant in your life, so full in your life that people stop and take notice. People say, oh my goodness, what's that person got that I don't have? I know they don't have a perfect life. I know that they don't have it all together, but they just seem to have joy no matter the circumstances. And you know what that does? It opens this huge door for you to say, let me tell you about a man who's named Jesus. And he's the only thing that gets me through. He's the only thing that makes a difference. He's the only thing that is worth hanging on to. Keeping in mind, keeping in mind that it takes intentionality because you're fighting against culture. You're fighting against all of that inbred stuff that says, I am number one. I want you to have real joy. So here's what we're asking you to do. 
I want to put feet to this. I want to put action to this. Over the next couple of weeks, maybe throughout the summer, as we're um, focusing on the fruit of the Spirit, I want you blowing up social media with the hashtag real joy. It can look any way you want. If it's a picture of the things that, that you've been blessed with in your life and that bring you joy, if it's a scripture you're reading, if it's um, you know some type of uh, scripture that talks about joy, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, we want you posting it. Okay, you're going to see it from the staff over the next couple of days, but we've got that hashtag, real joy, as a reminder that we're going to be counterculture. We're going to stop worrying about our own happiness and, and making ourselves number one and asking God for real joy, sustaining joy, even that joy that we know maybe comes alongside some trials and tribulations. And I know that may be scary, but oh my goodness, it's so sustaining. It's so life-giving. I want to close today by praying this prayer with you and having you guys repeat it. It comes from Romans 15 and 13. They've got it for you if you'll throw it up there. Yeah, perfect. It says, may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Y'all, that's good. Amen. That's good right there. Okay, we're going to read it, read it together one time, and then we'll do it as our prayer. Read it, read it with me. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. All right, will you guys stand up with me? We're going to pray this together. Praying scripture can be incredibly powerful. It comes straight from God's word, right? So we know that it's something that we can claim and believe in. So here we go, with, with a heart kind of open to what God is, is doing, would you pray this uh, for yourselves this morning? May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Can y'all say Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for letting me share with you this morning. It's been a real joy, a real, a real joy. I appreciate it so much.